they went full on fascist, communist, tyrannical. Mm. I, I never thought I would see anything like it in my lifetime in this country. Hi, I'm Evelyn Ray. Welcome to The Cauldron Pool Show. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. I have deliberately had her come on, one, because she's amazing, but two, because she is a Canadian. And right now, we have a lot going on, especially in Canada. And I really wanted to have a special Cauldron Pool Show uh, you know, specifically for that purpose and to find out exactly what's going on. Lauren Southern is joining me. Thank you so much. Hi, Evelyn. Thank you for having me. I brought now, my very special Canada mug for this episode. Have you ever heard of a double-double? This is important. Do you know what a double-double no, is? Absolutely no idea. It's our most famous drink in Canada. Really fancy. It means two creams and two sugars in a coffee. We keep it top-notch here. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a massive sugar load right there. <laughs> Fan fancy Canadian stuff. So yeah, let's talk about the... Um, dumpster fire that is my country at the moment <laughs> yeah well you know I obviously like we're seeing scenes um all over from the truck convoy all the way through to what's happening in Ottawa um what's happening with Justin Trudeau um and you know obviously there's a lot of police brutality going on you've been there yourself um so I'm not sure where you want to start with if you want to start all the way at the very beginning or you kind of just want to go straight in but I'll leave the floor to you us Aussies want to know what's happening yeah I mean talk about out of the frying pan and into the fire, eh? I'm in Australia and I think it's so wacky and crazy there. I get to Canada and suddenly everything goes up in flames. Um, yeah, so these protests, I'd say it's almost been a month now that the convoy has been going out. They took off from uh, the west coast of Canada all the way to the east coast to Ottawa, honking their horns the whole way. And it was a fairly peaceful thing at the start. Uh, I think it's been peaceful from the trucker's side the whole time for the most part, mm. but um just massive support across the country. I was driving when it initially took off and Canadian flags on every vehicle, people atop every single overpass, really positive movement. When they got to Ottawa, I, I did not think it was going to take such a turn for the worst. I, I thought that perhaps there would be some conversation from Justin Trudeau, some conversation from the government about, you know, there are a lot of Canadians dissatisfied with these mandates Maybe we've gone too far with it. We're seeing countries in all over Europe, for example, just take away their mandates. Most of the non-Western world didn't even have stuff like this in the first place. America, mm. they're dropping mandates, uh, mass mandates for schools all over the place. Um, and, and top health officials of these countries saying we've done what we can. Canada has a 80 to 90% vaccination rate. I think it's 90% when you take out like five-year-olds to 11-year-olds. Um, we were told once you're all vaccinated, this is done. You're good. We're good to go. So it shouldn't be a surprise that there's frustration and the government should have been ready to answer this. Instead, they went full on fascist, communist, tyrannical. Mm. I, I never thought I would see anything like it in my lifetime in this country. But Emergencies Act invoked, people's bank accounts frozen police in the streets beating people who are just having their cars parked there, not lighting fire to cities, not tearing down statues, as we've seen from BLM protesters, indigenous protesters all over Canada. You know, we had the summer of 
churches being burnt down by indigenous activists. We didn't have the Mm. emergencies act invoked then, but for truckers parked and honking in Ottawa, they bring in the emergencies act. Mm. Now you've yeah (laughs) you've come from australia right you've literally come from what i thought was one of the most draconian tyrannical governments and i guess handling of this pandemic and as you said you've gone to canada i'd like to throw it out there and i'm happy for the audience to say that i think we should blame lauren southern because it seems wherever (laughs) you go you're bringing in the most draconian measures and restrictions so um leave it in the comments people it's up to you we should have a poll on this lauren southern to blame for the west's implosion and maybe it's a good thing that the uk and a few other countries have banned you because they would have to go back into lockdown again that's purely why they banned me every time i showed up all the government ministers go around the table and they're like what can we do to impede this woman's life (laughs) oh man Yeah, but I I wanted to sort of talk about um, the restrictions and things like that. In Australia, we've been locked in our homes. We've had mask mandates, vaccine mandates. You know, we haven't been allowed to, you know, travel the border is in terms of states like within our own country. Have you seen those measures implemented in Canada as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same here. Although I'd say the one thing that is kind of all right is we don't have the same provincial restrictions that Australia had. I I had family in multiple different states in Australia and going back and forth and constantly getting stuck in one state or another was uh, like <laughs> psychosis inducing. I was losing my mind. And definitely in Canada, although here's the thing though, Canada is very close to the US. A lot of people work across the border, go back and forth, buy their groceries in America. So having that shut down certainly caused a lot of problems for Canadians. But Beyond that, we had a lot of the similar restrictions, you know, businesses closed down, uh, you had to go into quarantine if you had traveled, mask mandates everywhere in schools and shops and restaurants. And then clubs, you couldn't go clubbing for a while, which was uh, very painful for all the Zoomers and millennials out there. <laughs> but it, it was it was really strange, though. Actually, I'd say the worst part was the gyms and the sporting events being closed down. And we're talking like Mm. local community sports and it's still like that. And even after mass vaccination, right after two days, three days before Christmas, the provincial leader of British Columbia, where my Canadian family are from, announced that they were bringing back mandates so that people couldn't meet for Christmas, that you couldn't have large, you couldn't have people fly across the country to come to Christmas. You couldn't have New Year's parties. All the New Year's parties were canceled. And this stuff just pushed people over the edge. I don't think there should be any surprise that there's protests. Lots of people try to point to the 90% vaccination rate in Canada and say, oh, look, the majority of people support the government action, though. Look, at everyone supports vaccinations. That's not the case. Mm. A lot of these people that are vaccinated are dealing with the same lockdown conditions. They may have been pro-vaccine, but they're not pro-mandate. And they're sure as hell not pro-lockdown because the only reason half of them got vaccinated was because they were told, you do this. And people were actually given cards that had like a circle with like clubbing around it, a circle with sporting events, a circle with like a little barbell that said gyms. When you got vaccinated, people were handed that card and it shows it outside the vaccination centers that you see on every corner. And that's like, mm-hmm. they're yay, this is what I get. And then when they announced the restrictions, they had the same card, but with all those little circles saying you can't do this, you can't do that, regardless of if you're vaccinated. So, of course, these people 
are going to be getting frustrated. But no, there's been no understanding, no humanization of these problems from the government, from Trudeau. He's completely fobbed it off, called them a fringe minority, anyone who stepped Mm. up and said, whoa, this is too far. And when it became apparent that it wasn't a fringe minority, that there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the country supporting this, he just had to call them racists. And when calling them racists didn't work because you have a bunch of Sikh people doing a damn bangra at these protests in Toronto all night long, he just brought in emergency powers and had the police start beating the crap out of them. So if Mm. you can't ignore them, you smear them. If you can't smear them, you take away their money and beat them, I guess. That's the solution to this. Not go Mm. and listen to them, not try to level with them and say, you know what? I... Oh, you, you know what? One thing, one thing he could have done where he could have kept all of his positions and even kept all the mandates in place. He could have just come out and say, listen, I hear you. I understand your frustration. This is why we have these mandates in place. This is why we're still having the vaccine mandates. This is why we're still having the lockdown. Here's the science behind it. Here's an expert coming up to explain it to you all. And this is our pathway out. I reckon he could have kept all of the same restrictions said that, given people a clear pathway out that he kept to and avoided a ton of these issues. But no, he initially just went straight to the most extreme possible solution. Solution Mm. for him, not for the Canadian people. It's a solution for the government to get rid of this PR disaster, but not for the people. And that's what's tragic. Mm. And I think from the beginning, Trudeau has been... um... I guess you could say on the side of the globalists, like I think he was, Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's always been in that spectrum of politics. Um, And you you did a tweet the other day saying that, you know, when when girls get mad or something, they crash their dad's car. Instead, uh, Justin Trudeau has basically abolished all of the um, constitutional rights or things that his father put in place. Um, Was his dad very different to him in terms of politics? His dad was definitely like far left, more progressive, but he was a statesman. Trudeau's dad was a good statesman. And anyone who, you know, I'm I'm from the West Coast and people from the West Coast will remember Trudeau would come over and he was very like Quebec East Coast, like we're the best. And he actually gave the middle finger to Alberta and British Columbia when he left (laughs) once. And people were like, what do you? (laughs) So so a lot of the West Coast didn't like... um, Justin Trudeau's dad, but he was a good statesman. He had that eminence about him. He could speak well. You know, they brought in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms when he was in power. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it was uh, thought up and put together by a lot of different people, and he just put it through. But um, no, he was a statesman. And Justin Trudeau has been living off the fumes of his father's legacy Mm -hmm. for too long. He is an empty shell of a man that just has the face and the name of his dad who actually earned his position, whether you like him or not. And it's, it's really showing now Mm -hmm. he hasn't won the hearts and minds of Canadians. And so he's just forcing it. It's like a child, you know, I can't argue for what I want. What I want is unreasonable. So I'm just going to start kicking and screaming and that's how I'm going to get it. And and there's a, there's a large part. I think there's a large amount of narcissism to that as well. Mm He's like, I deserve this. I deserve you to shut up and not oppose me. I deserve, you know, a Canada that just does what I say, even if I don't have to. I I deserve to not have to meet with my constituents. These people are terrified 
to have to go into their towns to meet any of the people that actually have to live with the orders they put in place. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to start swearing here, but Trudeau didn't even show up to his own vote of confidence today. Mm. His own vote of confidence in one of the most important things done in Canada in my lifetime, the Emergencies Act brought in, which takes away Canadians' rights to their bank accounts. That's nuts. And Trudeau didn't even have the, the respect for this system, for his people to show up to that. I saw someone on Twitter saying, oh, don't you think he was dealing with maybe Ukraine or something? I don't care about Ukraine. I don't. Mm. Canada is his country. You should be focused on Canada. If you've got some stuff with Ukraine, I don't care. Your people are in distress right now. Yeah. There is a division here right now. Oh, yeah. Good. This is good. I like fired up Lauren. This is amazing. But I was going to ask you, so over here in Australia, in the state of uh, Victoria, they put through permanent pandemic legislation, which means there's basically no accountability. At the moment, they can issue a state of emergency over here, and then that eventually expires. Time, you know, is is run up eventually, and then they have to reapply for it. And there's all different things and hoops that they have to jump through. Um, and then once that permanent pandemic legislation was brought in, it's like these particular leaders have the say on when they want to pull a state of emergency and when they don't. Is this similar to um, what happened with the emergency powers today in Canada? And for those who might not be aware what actually happened, can you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. So obviously the emergency powers give the Canadian government rights that they would not normally have on a day-to-day basis because they're violating individuals' freedoms, like the rights to force people and businesses to do things that they need, whether it be tow trucks to go and tow things, the rights to freeze people's assets, bank accounts, take away their private property, which I'd I'd like to think most people can get an idea of how extreme that is, that the government could just come in and say, your car is ours, your money, your bank account, that's ours now. Frozen. You don't have access to it. That's terrifying. Now, they brought these in place because of the Ottawa protests. The Ottawa protests have been disbanded now. They're gone. The people are out of there. They've frozen their bank accounts, taken their trucks. The government are now saying they are going to sell the seized property they've taken. So it's not like, ooh, we're just going to take it away because you did a bad thing. No, we're going to take it and sell it. It's not yours anymore. These are like expensive trucks. You know, this is someone's Mm. livelihood we're talking about. Uh, But it was a bit too inconvenient of an image issue for the government, I suppose. Um, So they took their trucks, they've disbanded everything, and yet, the emergency powers remain. The government's powers to do these extreme actions that really should only be put in place in situations that, you know, not not regular protest situations. We have seen more violent protest situations in Canada over the last, you know, my lifetime uh, that, that would have been closer potentially to emergency acts, but no leader would ever call that in a protest, even in protests where there's violence, uh, buildings being burnt down, statues being torn down, as we've seen from the Black Bloc, Antifa, all these different groups. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen that from other leaders because they don't want to set a precedent of doing that in a state of protest, because protest is a very important part of your nation. Even, even when it gets unruly, yeah, bring the cops in. If it gets unruly, arrest the people who are breaking the law. You and I know that better than anyone. I I, I was not a supporter of BLM destroying businesses, smashing cars, ruining people's livelihoods. Arrest those people. Come down on them hard with the law in a court of law where they have judge, jury, people to decide what they actually did and didn't do. The emergency powers get rid of that. 
There's no more court orders. There's no more trial for these people. It's just full on dictatorship power. And Mm. as usual, I mean, we've never seen this story in history before. A government brought in Emergencies Act. And then when the emergency's through, well, well, I think I'll just keep that. I think I'll just keep that. Why don't I? (laughs) I've seen a lot of memes made. Uh, Both Trudeau and Bonnie Henry, our health minister in in B.C., Uh, you know, that scene where um, Bilbo is holding the ring and he's like, why shouldn't I keep it? Why shouldn't I keep it? I deserve it. And It's like Trudeau holding the Emergencies Act. Why shouldn't I keep it? And it's it's so true that it's like that corrupting power. Okay, you've used it now. Cast it into the fire, Justin. But he won't. He's a child. You have to ask yourself the question, and, and we did the same here in Australia. It's like if allegedly, um, you know, everything's being finalized, allegedly we're not going into quarantine, allegedly, you know, we're coming out of lockdown, why do we need to pass such extreme legislation? You don't do that unless you intend on using it. And I guess it's the same thing at the moment. It's like, as you said, they've they've dismembered basically the, the Ottawa protests, and yet he's still held on to that, and you, you've got to be – pretty naive to think he's not going to use it again um, because he has that power. The government get drunk on this power. Now, I wanted to sort of ask you about the, in particular, the Ottawa protest. And I know there are other ones that are going on around the country at the moment, but just specifically that one, how long were these truckers parked there? What were the conditions like? It looked like it was snowing. What was the feel, the community like? And um, when did it all sort of come to an end? Yeah, so I personally haven't been to the Ottawa protest myself. I have gone and reported on the ones here in BC because they're going on all over the country. But holy, I mean, it's cold in Ottawa. It's cold on the East Coast yeah. in Canada. There was snowy weather. It would have been below zero for sure. And um, it got scary when the government were saying they were going to be confiscating people's, you know, gasoline to, to fuel their trucks, their homes, because you die in this weather. In Canada, mm-hmm. we actually have... Um, Oh, I was looking at the the stats on it, but weather deaths are are quite high in Canada, mm, actually. Right. Um, and you know they they held out there for at least a few weeks. I'd have to look at the actual timeline, but yeah. this is something that people don't realize as well. Is if you watch Viva Frey's stream, they're not actually blocking the roads. They're there. They're having a protest. They've got little encampments set up, but they're actually allowing people through. And this was something that I noticed when I was at the protest this weekend reporting on it. They had a designated guy with a speakerphone bringing, saying, you stay there, you stay there. We got to bring these cars through. So they actually weren't blocking the cars. And I understand like the way the media is portraying it and some people saying, this is a blockade. You know, it's, it's disrupting people's daily life. I'm not for that either. I don't think that's good. But from what I saw, in a lot of cases, they weren't. They were actually letting people through. There was maybe a few days where they had so many people that had showed up for this event that the roads were congested, but that was not the intention. Um, And then it's been interesting seeing the fallout of Trudeau bringing in these emergency powers, breaking it up. This has just been the last three, four days, right, Mm. of the police coming in with, with batons, with tear gas, with horses trampling people, a woman trampled, stepped on the neck, indigenous disabled woman, by the way. Um, Not that it should matter who it happened to, but that's supposed to mean we should care more from the left. Not that they do because she has the wrong opinions, just tragic. But Mm. what we've seen in Ottawa actually is a bunch of businesses suffering. They had booming 
sales. They had people in there every day buying coffee, buying food from them, you know, supporting the local businesses. And now their streets are shut down. They've called it the red zone where they've got Stasi like cops walking around. And if you, you have to have an explanation for being in the area. So there are videos online right now of a guy saying, I really just want to get a coffee. My favorite coffee shop is down the road there. Please let me get a coffee. And the cops are like, get out of here, get out of here, pushing him out. Oh yeah. We really care about business. We care about the economy. Trudeau. Is that it? Cause now these businesses are shut, shut in. In fact, there are businesses that are getting raided by police and they're trying to not open their doors and keep them out. Meanwhile, the police are like, let us in, trying to find out if they have truckers under the floorboard floorboards or something. Wow. Um, <laughs> but the the whole excuse, oh, it disgusts me seeing people come up and say, oh, we're we're against blockades or we really care about the economy. That's why we need to stop this. You know what? If you just want to stop a protest, fine, come out and say it. But don't pretend you care about the economy after you've shut down the economy for two yeah. years and are shutting down these businesses. Don't come out and say you're against blockades when you were supporting these blockades all over the world from BLM. Worse yet, there was a farmers protest in India that Trudeau was massively backing. Canada has come out and said, you know, Cuba, all these different places, you cannot shut down protests. You have to let these these cars in the streets, you know, occupying areas. You have to support them or you're a totalitarian dictatorship. Trudeau has come out and done it. And now he's got the entire Indian news network, uh, all of their news networks and television are mocking Trudeau worldwide because they're like, Bro, we watched you support this happening in our country and you told us we were fascists if we shut this down. What are you doing? The hypocrisy is galling to anyone who is not looking at the mainstream media and actually diversifying their sources because people just they won't hear this. They won't even know that this is what's happened if they only read Mm. Global or CBC. Yeah. And it's interesting, even over here in Australia, like I had no idea that the trucks weren't actually blocking the roads because that's how it's sort of being filtered here. And you're hearing a lot of people supporting the truckers, but saying they don't support that people can't get to work and get to their business and, you know, get on with their lives. So you saying that to me is news to me. I was actually kind of like, you know what, like, we're at that pointy end where sometimes things need to happen. And so I I was sort of unsure how I felt, even if that was the case, but um, yeah, it it goes to show the difference, like ideology makes the world of difference because you look at the ideologies that were um, cultivated in other protests around the world and look how they've ended. You had um, people being murdered and in the name of tolerance, like in these Black Lives Matter protests. Um, you know, you had buildings being looted and destroyed, malicious damage. You had fires, you had assaults, you had it all. Um, and because of the ideology behind it, mainstream media, politicians, they all kept, and police had a very different attitude. They all kept pretty quiet and and the police kind of let a lot of stuff go. Like there's videos during those particular protests, I like to call them riots, where um, they we're just watching crime take place. Whereas now it's like the ideology, you can see the difference. Like there's actual people there who are letting business goers through. They're buying coffees from local shops and supporting the economy. It looked like a real community feel from the videos that I was seeing, like a lot of singing and dancing, um, a lot of people from all different um, cultural backgrounds in there together. Um, It was certainly a, a nice picture, but because of the ideology behind it doesn't suit the globalist doesn't suit the narrative 
the police and the politicians have a very different um, response and reaction to what's happening. So with the Ottawa protests and the response from the police, like you mentioned, a lady got trampled. Um, There's lots of videos coming out um, where there's police smashing windows of cars and all of this did pretty much everybody every like trucker or every protester that was there did they fight back or were they just kind of like I guess like taken by surprise by the response of of the government and police who are supposed to be serving them yeah so I mean I the videos are up there and you can see there are people that are trying to defend themselves trying to push back I have yet to see footage and if someone shows me like I'm happy to walk back this claim but I've yet to see footage of truckers or people supporting the convoy being the aggressors in situations. Mm -hmm. And I mean, violent aggressors. I've seen footage where the protesters are frustrated and yelling, uh, even yelling like F you and stuff. And um, I've also seen footage where they're yelling, we love you at the cops (laughs) and trying to get through Mm -hmm. that way. But when it comes to actual violence, I have not seen any footage of that that has been proven. There have been a lot of claims. The truckers did this, they did that, which I... I'm very skeptical of like there was claims that the truckers assaulted people in a soup kitchen. We live in an era of CCTV. We live in an era where cameras are everywhere. I just feel there would have maybe been some identification of the people who did this, some footage, maybe arrests. But so far, the only arrests and footage we've seen of violence and assaults have been a guy who is allegedly associated with Antifa um, who ran over a trucker protester and almost Mm. killed them. We've seen footage of individuals stealing flags and punching protesters. There's even a clip from Canberra of that chick whacking the um, convoy member and then trying to smash into her car and ended up getting herself stuck on top of it. There's a lot of this footage, not a whole lot of the other way around, if any. Um, One thing I noticed when I was at the convoy event here in BC on the weekend The only blockades that were set up were set up by the police. The police, when I asked them if they were worried about people storming them or attacking them, they said, nope, not at all. These people are perfectly peaceful. That's what they told me. Um, And they were even, I saw people laughing and joking and smiling and conversing with the police the whole time. And it was just a whole lot of dancing. The only time the energy changed and got dark was when the media showed up. And these people, I don't think people realize how much individuals loathe the media right now just hate yeah. them it, it was kind of scary honestly I didn't like the way that people were behaving because they were just screaming like get the f out I understand why they don't want them anywhere near they know they're gonna lie about them they just don't mm. even want them in their presence but it was like this darkness overcame and everyone was like get out get out no one touched them no one attacked them they were perfectly fine they got to walk back to their car and get in but of course they posted like we were chased out it was a horrific scene this was a terrifying place to be but the second they were gone the people that had been slandering this group, it went back to dancing and kumbaya for the rest of the event. Mm. Um, and, and so you're getting a very biased sense of what these events are like from the media because these people don't want the media there because, you yeah. know, even when they, because the whole thing they do when they show up, even before people started telling them to leave, they'd go to like one corner and try to film two people and say, no one shows up, absolute losers at event, you know? Mm. Or they'd show up, one guy told me they showed up at 6 p.m., the time where the event ended in BC. Yeah. And then started filming live then, like we're at the protest, no one's here. So just, they just hate them being at these events. Um, mm. But no, I haven't seen 
any footage of people directly starting fights on the convoy side. It's mostly being pressed by the police or by those antagonizing counter protesters. In fact, they had a uh, blockade in Vancouver last weekend. I think it was bikers blockaded the road to stop the blockade from entering Vancouver. And I'm like, really thinking about that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you, you've, you're going to a couple of the newer type convoys sort of protests going on. Are those particular um, convoys slash protests, have they got the similar intention you think to the Ottawa ones? Like where are they going? Like what's, what are they doing? Are they going to a particular area and staying there, staying put, or is it more of like what we were sort of doing in Australia where we're driving to a particular place, protesting, and then going home. Um, you were there on the ground. Like, what, what were you sort of hearing and, and seeing from people there? Yeah, I, I, want, I want to clarify. It's not even just on these protest days. It's like every day in Canada right now. What is going on is not, there's no illegal activity going on at the convoys that I've gone and, and watched. It's people that are trying to meet with like-minded people and show that there are Canadians opposed to these mandates show that there are Canadians frustrated and basically have, they they feel that the media and government aren't representing them and that they're being lied to about the amount of Canadians that actually oppose these movements. And that Mm. maybe if we all put little signs on ourselves showing, Hey, the media is lying. Look at me, 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 and hands going up all over the room. Cause it's like, there's a sign that's saying, like only 1% of people support this. And then everyone puts their hand up in the crowd and see 50%. And and more and more people are starting to join. And it's kind of crazy. My, um, my dad put a Canada flag out the other day of the car (laughs) and a man started giving us a thumbs down and being like, boo, boo. And like, there was nothing explicitly attached to the convoy with this flag we had outside of our car. My dad hadn't said anything. And I was thinking, imagine booing the Canadian flag as a Canadian, but it's become like loving Canada has become an explicitly political position. Now, if you see Canada flags on people's cars, now you assume they want a free Canada. They want Canada without mandates. And there are cars I see every day, regardless of a convoy day, regardless of a weekend. I I'd say like at any given point when I'm on the road, I see a car with, with at some points it's like Mm. the majority I I was on the highway last weekend and it was like every car around me had flags or signs and everything and you know once again not a day where it's a protest and there'll still be people on the overpass with signs because they are just desperate these people and they feel Mm. like this is the first time they've felt sane in years it was for me I looked around and I was like oh my gosh I'm not alone the media made me feel alone but I I can see now I'm not not even a little bit that's what this is about it's about people not yeah. feeling alone anymore. Yeah, totally. I think um, seeing like a tangible thing with your own eyes is really helpful because you're he- hearing from the media, hearing from politicians that you're a fringe minority. They want you to feel isolated. They want you to lack confidence. They want you to feel completely and utterly alone and um like you're wrong in your in your thought process and your thinking. Um, so the fact that even if these protests aren't achieving much at the present moment, tangibly in terms of like government politicians and ending of vaccine mandates, even if it's not there, it's the beginning of a revival of the people because people are 
coming together and it's a feel of community. And I really was encouraged by that in Canada. And I think that particular thing that you mentioned has actually infected the world because Australia is going on convoys. I think Israel did one. I think there's a a few European countries who have done it and it has been like this ripple effect throughout the West. Um, And it's been beautiful to watch um, and I'm encouraged by it. But, you know, obviously Trudeau um, is still saying that it's a fringe minority in Canada. What do you think the numbers are? Because in Australia, I would still say that people like myself are still in the minority. I think there's a really large group of Australians who don't necessarily like it, but they don't care enough to really want to make a difference or they are scared or, or they just aren't interested. I think there's a small group of people who are really pushing for it and then a, and then the minority like myself are fighting against it. Is it a similar feeling in Canada? From what I'm seeing, I feel like maybe you're on the cusp of getting a lot bigger than just the minority, but let me know what you well, think. When it comes to vaccines, I do think the majority of Canadians are like, yep, go get your vaccine for sure. But that's a different issue than mandates and lockdown. I would say without a doubt, the majority of Canadians are against the lockdowns at this point, um, right. primarily because every Canadian that got vaccinated, which is the majority, got told if you get vaccinated, the lockdowns are going to end. So they would mm-hmm. actually be the primary group that are going to say, why the hell are we still in lockdown? Why am I, as a vaccinated person, why is this country that did everything you told us to do still dealing with these lockdowns and mandates? Um, So definitely the majority. There was, in fact, an Angus Reid poll done recently that showed 54 percent of Canadians are against the lockdowns right now. And that that was like a big jump, I think a 10 percent jump from just last year, uh, like September to December time, which I I think it was still a small, um, small majority that were for the lockdowns. But that jump keeps getting bigger and bigger every month Mm -hmm. as we go forward. And they don't people don't see change. They see our governments holding on to these powers. And it's kind of gotten to a really scary point where a lot of the health ministers have never had power like this before. And it's almost a a godlike perfection they are asking for. Like at what point in history have our governments been asked to stop the spread of of diseases Mm. that are now like the common cold? Like our health minister has told us Omicron is like the common cold and we need to treat it that way, but she's treating it like it's the bubonic plague where a third of Europe died and trying to stop it as if it's that, which is the only way you're going to stop that sort of spread is with insane draconian measures, but you're doing it for something like the common cold. And if we go forward in life, treating diseases this way, um, uh, I mean, we're we setting survive. ourselves up. For, we won't, we won't survive on a mental health level for sure. Yeah. And I, we're setting ourselves up to be in a bubble where we have no freedoms because mm-hmm. we have, we're asking for a right to not get sick. I I have a right to not get sick at the expense of everyone else's rights to basic everyday freedoms. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, makes no sense. Do you see more violence in Canada coming between police and protesters? Like what happened in Ottawa? Do you think that the Canadian people have sort of pushed it as far as they can in terms of a standoff? Um, Or do you think that there's more to come? Do you think that more people are going to gather in other areas? Like how, I I know you don't have a crystal ball and you can't tell me exactly what's going to happen, but you're there, you have a feel for it. 
are we going to see more of Ottawa in other places or have the Trudeau government and the arm piece of him, a.k.a. the police, have they basically kneecapped the movement? What do you think? I think they've kneecapped it, um, but I don't think all is lost. There, I don't think violence is the solution. Uh, if there's anyone out there that is feeling unbelievably frustrated or angry and like all is lost and the only thing they can do is commit violence, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't, that's actually yeah. not going to help. You're just going to destroy your life and probably cause for more and more crackdown on a lot of peaceful people that want to see an end to these mandates. So that, that would be completely counterproductive. I think the positive and productive thing would be what a lot of the regular everyday family folk that I met at this Saturday convoy event in BC were doing they said we're literally going to show up here every weekend and have a party until this changes we are going to show our government how dissatisfied we are every weekend and it's going to be like a game of whack-a-mole we're not going to be violent we're not going to be blocking roads we're going to be sitting Mm -hmm. here and the media can show up every week and see thousands and thousands of us sitting here until these mandates end and I think it's, it's that show of numbers. It's that show of how many people, because what happens as well that I noticed is when people see all of these cars going to a certain location, when they see all the flags, when they see all the videos of people dancing, that invigorates something in them. They say, I want to go next week. I couldn't make it the first week, but I'm going to go this time. What's this? Yeah. I'm going to go follow that. And more and more people keep joining and it just will become an overwhelming thing in Canada that I hope I hope people don't stop coming out on the overpasses. I hope people don't take the Canadian flags off their cars. I hope they all stay and they keep showing up every weekend until this changes. Because I think mm. Trudeau thinks it'll just, yeah, go away quietly. He'll just, you know, put a bit of chloroform on its mouth and say goodbye. But if <laughs> Go to sleep. If, if people are all mm. over Canada saying, no, no, we're standing. Mm. We're not going to stand down. You are going to see this in the news every single weekend until things change, until you realize we're human and we have concerns that the majority of Canadians have, well, no, no, not going to change. We're not going to be happy with it. I think this is going to absolutely destroy Trudeau's career. It's going to destroy his reputation, his future. He's not going to look good in the history books, and he's certainly not going to look good uh, him and the Liberals next election season. I I 100% believe that. Because even, Mm -hmm. this is an important point, I think, even for people who are pro-mandate and pro-lockdown, the research has come out and said they think that Justin Trudeau has handled this horribly. Even for mm. the people who were think the Emergencies Act was necessary, they say they don't think it should have ever gotten to that point. So it doesn't even matter yeah. if you're someone who thinks that, oh, most people support the Emergencies Act, oh, most people support vaccination. Well, even those people think that Trudeau didn't handle it well. So mm. We're having a similar thing here with um, Scott Morrison, our PM. People are saying he didn't handle it well at all Um, and, you know, his handling is is shocking and it's going to really damage him in the next election, I believe. Unfortunately for us in Australia, the alternative for um, the other political party, like if we just stick to the major parties, is Labor, which is our equivalent. What about Pauline Hanson? Oh, I love that woman. Prime Minister. Honestly, that redheaded woman is is amazing. I, I love her. I would love her to be the Prime Minister of Australia, but I'm just thinking realistically. I feel like there is so there are so many Australians who cannot separate themselves from the Labour Liberal voting system. Like my my nan is like 97, 98. She's one of them. She's voted Liberal her whole life and she just never would do anything else. And I think there are a lot of boomers, like my parents' generation, who are very much like that as well, unfortunately. But I do think we have a lot of independent 
political parties coming through who are going to get a lot more seats and hopefully shift the power. But back to sort of Canada, Trudeau, his political sort of uh, position he's in at the moment, I was going to ask you, when's the next election coming up and do you think he has a chance of being re-elected? Um, and if so, should you consider moving out of Canada? <laughs> um, October 2025, it looks like. I had to look that up. So we got a bit. We got a bit. Um, but no, I. here's the thing. Though. Okay, so no, I, I, I don't think he's going to survive. I, I think there is going yeah. to be a severe lack of confidence in him from both his own party and the public. But they're having the same problem on the conservative side. There, the conservatives have been so, I don't know, liberal. Honestly, I got to say, I almost to some degree respect Justin Trudeau's position more on COVID than the conservatives in Canada, because at least you know what Trudeau thinks. The conservatives are so back and forth, like, oh, we're really against COVID. I mean, uh, did I say that? Maybe. Mm. And they, um, you know, they elected a leader that went into the election that said o- O'Toole who was for the mandates and then after right. picked him out and brought in someone that was against them and then everyone kind of went quiet when the arrests in Ottawa were happening and it's like they're hedging their bets they're trying to see which way it's going to go whether the public mm. support is going to be like hardcore crackdown on people in the convoy or whether it's going to you know maybe shift that way and you can literally you were watching it in real time Pierre Polivier, the guy who a lot of people are hoping becomes the leader of the Conservative Party because he's had some banger speeches in Parliament. Yeah. Um, he even went he went totally silent for a few days and people were like, where did you go when the hardcore lockdown happened in Ottawa? And it was like, mm. man, is he hedging his bets, just waiting to see the outcome and then he'll pick his position? So there's uh, it's, it's tough because, yeah. yes, there's a lot of disappointment in Trudeau, but it's like, what is happening over there on the conservative side? They certainly don't have any contender to go against him or anyone mm. else. The liberals pick. It could literally be the fact that the tr- liberals just get rid of Trudeau, clean the slate. And they were like, mm, not him anymore. Here's a new liberal to bring us into our new age of post COVID. Isn't this yeah. great? And everyone just votes for him. Mm. It's tough. The it- conservatives have to get their together yeah it's really interesting times because we've had the same thing where there are people who like to talk a lot until it really matters and then they go silent and we've seen that with so many of our politicians here Uh, we've seen them sort of say things like uh, against the vaccine mandates against border closures all of these great speeches that you know and we've we've even had our state premier here in New South Wales Dom Perrottet do all these speeches when he was the treasurer of New South Wales before he got elected as state premier. All these speeches where he's talking about how rights and freedoms are not something the government should take, but they should protect. And he's saying all these things that us conservatives are like ticking boxes, like, yes, yes, mate, this is amazing. He even said that, um, you know, that rights come from God, basically. That And, you know, all of us like are losing our minds, like, yes, yes. And so mm-hmm. when he finally got elected, um, after Gladys um, got kicked out um, with her ICAC uh, inquiries and things. But when he got elected in, we all had such hope. We're like, finally, this is the end of it. And then he just kept going with these mandates. And it was like he was a different human being. The things that he said before to what he was saying now are completely different. And I, I do think now he's starting to um, – 
make changes that are more positive and beneficial. But again, we have an election coming up. So it's like he's hedged his bets, like what you were saying, and he's sort of waited to see what's going on. And now that an election is coming and everybody's saying the Liberal Party, which is our more conservative party, now that they're looking really bad in the polling numbers and people think they've handled it badly, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we better actually like and please our voter base instead of continually alienating the people who are actually going to vote for us. Um, and that's politics all around at the moment. Um, you're seeing it in Canada. They're alienating their voter base while they're trying to please to a voter base that is never likely going to vote for them in their lifetime. It's bad politics. Um, yeah. And it's bad it, It's bad for humanity. Like It's like people have lost their humanity and it's just this game with politics. But um, you mentioned one particular politician who, apart from those last couple of days, has been quite vocal and done some really good speeches in Parliament and things like that. Are there any like independent parties, like minor parties, who are doing the right thing but are being censored or not being heard? That's uh, funny you bring it up. The, the first person who was really against all these mandates and restrictions was uh, Maxime Bernier of the People's Party of Canada. They're uh, um, a newer party that basically came in place to be a, a different option for conservatives who didn't feel conservatives were representing them and libertarians. They're quite libertarian mm. in, in a lot of ways as well. Um, here's the tragic part, though. So let's say things do go the way of anti-mandators. Let's say it becomes like a huge political movement and the majority of Canadians end up looking back and being like, holy, we made the wrong decision with lockdown. This was terrible. Let's say data comes out showing that it was a terrible decision and there's just, yeah, it's all going that direction. Maxine Bernier will be left in the dust. There's a great quote. um, I think I, I heard it from a friend first, but it's better to be wrong too late than right too early. Essentially, Mm. if you are wrong too late, well, you know, you were just in the crowd. Ooh, all of us made that mistake. And then we changed our mind later. If you were right too early, if you were in the vanguard at the front, you just got executed and your your reputation was destroyed. Everyone thinks of you as a kook and you don't get rid of that. Even Mm. even if you were right, people still you just you never quite shed that reputation as a coup because people will add on top of it, right? It's not just, oh, look at this person who said they're against mandates. It's let's dig up every single thing they've ever done wrong in their entire life and highlight it in the media because everyone loves a good execution. They all love a good hanging. Um, Mm. I I don't think most people consider what they would look like if the media only reported on their worst moments. Yeah, I don't think people realize what they would look like. You can make everyone look like a monster and then that's all that's remembered. So Maxine Bernier, it will absolutely be left in the dust. Very few people will remember and respect the sacrifice he made to his his reputation, his life, his, mm. his career. And that's just a, a sad but true prediction I have. Um, and a lot of people will be faced with that. Do you wanna be the person that uh, hedged your bets? played it safe and uh, Mm -hmm. has trouble sleeping at night or do you want to be the person that says what you mean and believe no matter what it is whether it's pro or anti-mandate and puts it out there and gets to sleep at night Mm. where do you see all this going like how how do you see this ending I know that's a really broad question um, but it's it's sort of a it's a broad issue across all western nations not just Canada or Australia and other ones but the question so many have is where does it end? And and I, th- I feel like you would probably have good insight in this. 
it ends with me and my family focusing on getting a farm and preparing for the apocalypse because at this <laughs> <Amen>. point, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm saying my piece, but I think that we're, we're on a slippery slope that's not going the other way anytime soon. Mm. As, you know, Zizek said in that debate with Jordan Peterson, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's another train headed towards us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you can, if you can't save the world, you can do what you can and try, but you can certainly save yourself. You can certainly yep. work on yourself and your own life and your own soul in these moments. Um, and, you know, if you do get lucky, or I don't even know if I'd call it lucky, if you do get that moment of fate, you know, divine, um, that, that moment where you can change the world and do something, take it for sure. But most of us probably aren't in that spot and all we can mm. do is make little pushes where we can and focus on the people that really matter to us and you know what's funny though is we probably wouldn't be in this position if most people actually did just focus on their own lives and what mattered to them instead of trying to change the True. world every day so there, there's an ironic piece to that we can't change the mm -hmm. world so look at our own lives and ooh, who knew that was what we needed all along Hmm. Yeah, I've, if, if anything good has come from these hard times, it is, you know, maybe we need to redirect our focus to our families, to things that we can tangibly do in mm -hmm. our own homes. And I think you nailed it on the head. Um, our priority should be that, you know, protect the four walls of our home, work on what's happening in there, learn to be in the world, but not of the world. And um get a gun license and start <laughs> prepping long life food. Um, but I do like the idea of, um, you know, and, and I think it's, it's, I think it's all intentional. I think you'd probably agree that they are breaking the home. They are breaking down families. They are getting you to forget where you came from, where your family group is from. They want you to forget all of this because when you break the home, you, you break the nation. And when you heal the home, you heal the nation. So I, I totally agree sure. that that's our pathway sort of out of here. But, um, you know, is there anything else Canada related specifically that you can think of that we missed or that you wanted to add um, before I ask you something else off topic? Hmm. Anything else <laughs> Canada related? Honestly, I, I, it's hard. I feel like my life has been consumed with this convoy stuff lately. I have so many friends of mine that have never involved in politics and they're like, I am hooked to my screen. Like these people are, I feel like they're the last chance I've got Lauren. They're speaking up for me. So many things I felt the last two years. And, you know, I'm just sitting here watching every live stream, watching every video, every update. And that it's really consumed our nation, this convoy, mm. um, like yeah. really consumed all of our minds. So if I told you anything else, it would probably be like, hey, I baked a berry crumble the other day while watching a live stream. Like, you know, it's <laughs> been really consuming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I, you know, I'm praying for Canada. I'm praying for people living in Canada. I'm praying for the protesters. Um, and you know what? I'm even praying for our enemies. I'm praying for these draconian people because, you know, praying for your enemies is probably the best defense as well that we have. But, um, you know, yeah, pray, I, I hope. Pray for Justin Trudeau. Pray that he has a moment of humility and like mm. his pride falls for a moment and he sees that there's so much humanity in this frustration. I pray for him too. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and you know like praying for him while you're baking your maple pie that's fantastic um but are you enjoying being back in Canada like do you miss Australia are you glad you're back there where are you at with that yeah no of course I miss Australia I miss the heat right now although I yeah every time it's, it's always like how it is what whatever you don't have you want <laughs> yeah. when I was in Australia I'm like man I could go for a nice cold day in a fire but it's been good um being mm. with family and being here and it, it's at this point where you know I I can't get into it but <laughs> immigration is pretty crazy and and flying and all of that but um you know would I would I want to be in Australia long term or Canada long term it's <laughs> Mm. It's really a coin toss for which is which is better or worse. Yeah. By the way, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not I, I don't stay in the cities uh, anymore anywhere. Yeah. Really. So. Mm. Sounds I'm nice. So, right. Sounds ideal getting out of cities and kind of enjoying a bit more space and a bit more, I guess, freedom where you can secretly have a bit more freedom when you're not around mm-hmm. too many people. But um. You're, you're a woman of uh, many talents. You are. You really are. You're very well-spoken. You very you write very well. And something that you've done the last sort of um, half a decade, so to speak, are documentary films, and they're amazing. Like every single one you have done is like the it's, – it's just incredible. And I do know that you are working on another one at the moment. I don't know how much you can tell us about that, but I'm sure people want to know what's the next Lauren Southern documentary. Um, because yeah, I know I'm looking forward to it. I was working on it right before we spoke, but American (laughs) Mirage is the name of my next documentary. And I went down to Mexico, Guatemala, I was filming all of the migration patterns. We met with the cartel. It was pretty wacky, pretty, a pretty crazy fun adventure. (laughs) I think I Um, saw a a video with you with like a little, was it a little taser, like a, like a key ring one or something like that. Oh yeah. I had a taser when I was down there. We had armed (laughs) security. Our our security was packing. It was great. But, um, that film it's, it's really, I, I learned so much on the ground as I always do. You can never get a full story until you've actually been there and experienced it because all the, the media just twist what they want you to see. And 99% of journalists never go and actually live in and, and explore the topics that they're reporting on. Mm. They eat Cheetos in their basement and scroll Twitter <laughs> and see something and screenshot it and then write a whole story off of a one sentence prompt. It's fan fiction. All journalism <laughs> today is fan fiction. That's all. I'm not, yep. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, so yeah, we actually go down there, see it firsthand. And um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting movie about the migration. It's, it's different than Europe, but there's a lot of crossovers, similarities with the human mm. trafficking and everything, but a lot of, a few spanners thrown in the mix with, with this one that I definitely yeah. check out. It should be out in the next two weeks, actually. So American Mirage, keep your eye out for it on my socials. Yeah, I was going to ask you when it was due to come out. So a couple of weeks time, we um, we have our viewing set for us, everybody get the popcorn out um, and, you know, watch Lauren do her thing, because it's, as I said, you do a very good job of what you do on the ground. Um, and so, yeah, basically, it's everything, I guess, border crossing and things it would you would have a lot of parallels with with your other um, documentary that you did, which I'm super interested to see the contrast between them did you feel safe down there like you've been to a lot of places in the world like heck you've been to South Africa you've been to all of the back alleyways in in Europe and and you well you 
I don't even know. I don't even want to know some of the places you've been in the world, Lauren. Um, oh, come on. You've probably- been a cop. Like, <laughs> as if no, I haven't. Didn't you hear? Country. I'm not a real cop because I won't, you know, dox myself online. But um, of course, would did you feel uh, was this equally as dangerous physically um, for you when you did this particular documentary? That's an interesting question because I'd say it was more dangerous, but at the same time, it wasn't like it was a more dangerous location than a lot of other places I've filmed. But because of my experience that I've garnered off of making mistakes <laughs> in other places that I filmed, it was safer because of the way that I was engaging with the topic. So I was like, yep, 100% need, need armed security. I need to have like local police basically uh, watching what we're doing, like go in, talk to them, sort of a deal, like make sure they're kind of observing. And if it's not the police that run the area, I have to make sure I've got some sort of deal with the local cartel so that they won't shoot me. So like, I, I know how to operate in these areas safely now. Um, whereas if I just went in like, woo, gonna bring my camera and just film whatever (laughs) here. And I don't care who runs this land. I probably would have gotten shot and died, but (laughs) there are ways that you can operate safely. You can still Mm -hmm. get your story. Um, as long as you know, like where, which regions to be, where you can't be. So like, uh, as an example, there was one area that we filmed Nuevo Progreso. It's entirely cartel run but it's kind of a safe area because it's a certified gringo zone. They have a ton of uh, pharmaceutical drugs that they sell to Texans there. So people will go in, they'll get nose jobs or boob jobs and, or buy Xanax <laughs> or whatever. And they get it for like prices that you could never get in America. And also, you know, stuff that you can normally get in America in general. Um, but because the cartel makes so much money off of white people coming in, Americans coming in, they've made it so that anyone who touches an American, if you kill, rape, steal from them, you will be tormented and like hung in the public square. So it's extremely safe to operate there as a, you know, white reporter, Mm. since they don't want a story coming out of there saying white reporter killed in Nuevo Progreso, but there's still massive trafficking going on. So if you keep an eye on which zones you can go to and like, Mm. get get a lay of the land, there are ways you can do things safe. Mm, interesting. Now, do you intend on, um, this is off topic again, I apologize. So I'm switching back and forth here, but I was going to sort of wrap it up, um, on the hour and yeah. I was going to sort of finish by asking you, are you intending on going back to some of these protests in Canada to film? And if so, will you be putting it on any of your channels and where can people sort of go and, and sort of keep up with it all? If my uh, schedule lines up and I've got a free day and there's a protest going on, I will 100% be there live on the ground. Uh, For those of you who watched my last live stream, it was a bit shaky. I just got myself a gimbal. So it'll be a lot smoother, a lot nicer to watch next time. (laughs) Um, You can watch me look up my name, Lauren Southern on YouTube, uh, at Lauren underscore Southern on Twitter. Oh man, I'm, I've got that terrible thing where it's like all different usernames for every site. But if you just look up Lauren Southern on Instagram, Facebook, you can find me all those places. Evelyn, it has been so lovely <laughs> having me. 
Thank <laughs> you so much you. for coming. I know, I know. I'm a, a little bit annoyed that you're in Canada and not here. I feel if I have to suffer, I'd like you to suffer here with me. Um, so at least I have some nice company around me. But I'll, I'll forgive, I'll forgive it. Maybe I'll, I'll come and seek asylum um, in, a, in like some little weird um, bush retreat or pine forest in Canada one day, and, and you can make it up to me then. But um, uh, absolute pleasure Absolutely. having you on. I do. Yeah, I do hope people will go follow you on all your on all your stuff, especially keep an eye on this documentary that's coming. And um, yeah, appreciate your insights in what's sort of happening in Canada at the moment. For sure. All right. <laughs> so awkward. Okay. <laughs>